Are you holding off on training your loan partners, your loan assistants, your team members and support staff on how to wow your clients? Are they getting that kind of training from you? You probably plan on training them if you get a few extra hours, but when does that happen realistically? And meanwhile, your team is doing the best they can with the information that they have. But you know, this kind of training really doesn't exist anywhere else. When you do the training, that means you're not as responsive as you want to be with your clients and you're not hitting your closing and income goals as a loan officer. So how much is it costing you to not have a team that's properly trained how to wow clients and referral partners so that they only want to work with you because of the great experience that they're getting? We teach them how to use efficient step-by-step processes and systems that work how to follow up so nothing falls through the cracks and loans close on time and even early, how to build wonderful relationships with clients, how to wow people so they go, man, that was an amazing experience. The members of his or her team are amazing. They're so on it. How to use scripts and dialogues for winning clients, setting expectations and communicating with clients so that you can prevent problems down the road how to handle difficult clients, how to make clients feel appreciated and valued, and how to handle and overcome objections. It might be time to ask for some help. That's why we're here. Loan Team Training has our next live WOW training coming up. We train your team for you so you can focus on closing loans. Check it out at LoanTeamTraining.com for our next class and see how many five-star reviews we have from past WOW training participants and their loan officers who sent them at LoanTeamTrainingReviews.com. Remember, it's an interactive virtual training with live trainers, and we train any of your support staff that is communicating with clients and referral partners. Our sessions are 9 to 11.30 Pacific time. Check us out and sign your loan partner or team member up at LoanTeamTraining.com. Welcome to Loan Officer Team Training Podcast today. I have a very special guest and his name is Dr. Chris Christensen. And he is a very special guest because he's my son-in-law and he's an amazing dentist in the Albuquerque, New Mexico area. And you know, a lot of times we have on these podcasts, loan officers or people in the mortgage industry. And I like to bring on people. He's my first guest that I'm bringing on that is not in the mortgage industry because I believe that success leaves clues everywhere you go, in your personal life, in any business you're in. And I have watched Chris's journey go through, or Dr. Christensen's journey, go through from the beginning all the way to where he is now. And I'm super proud of him. And I just wanted to ask his story and give us some success mindset things that he does. And uh, so Chris, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. And I just wanted to ask you, first of all, what made you decide to want to be a dentist? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, the money, to be honest, <laughs> the um, reason. and the lifestyle. I made a list of the three top careers I wanted to pursue. Um, I met a lot of doctors who told me, don't become a doctor. And if they could go back or if they had kids going to school, they would suggest being a dentist. So that made it to the list. I had helicopter pilots in my family and I always thought that'd be a great career. And then we had a good friend who was a chiropractor. So those three things made my list and I just kind of worked through them. Helicopter pilots require a lot of time away from family at the beginning to get their hours up. And so that wasn't going to fit my overall goals of having a family. So that one went off the list. When I looked at chiropractics and and dentistry, it was the same amount of years of school. But the challenge with chiropractics, unless you really get yourself out of the practice, is the the cap on the income. Uh And so I decided to check out dentistry and shadowed some dentist and made a decision. And it was a big decision for me, but I didn't have like the confidence that I was used to having when I make my decisions. I usually pray and I fast and I ask, you know, my God, my heavenly father, who has my best interests at heart. I usually consult him and ask him if this is a good decision for me. And hopefully he answers. And 
I actually didn't answer for a long time. It wasn't until I was in dental school that I felt the peace and the confirmation that I was used to getting when I, when I go to him. So it was a big leap of faith at the beginning. And then the reassurance came that that was the career I wanted to go. Now, looking back, I would choose dentistry again because dentistry to me is, is three main like modalities. It's a lot of medical body anatomy, which intrigued me. Mm-hmm. Then there's an engineering component because what we don't really think about is our teeth and how often we bite and we chew and we smile. Anything I put in someone's mouth or try to replace a missing tooth has to withstand thousands of repetitive movements in a day. So there's a huge engineering component to it. And then the artistry side, make someone have a beautiful smile. I get to shape and play with materials. So I didn't know those three things going into dentistry, but those are the three things that keep me involved in it. That's awesome. I love that. And I got the honor of being able to watch you go through dental school, watch you go through getting your degree and then going to dental school and watching how you were such an amazing father and husband, even during the time that you had to be in school and you had to be studying and you were in Philadelphia across the country from us since we're in Arizona. It was an incredible experience to see your mindset, to see how you had self-talk, that you were very intentional about what, what you were putting in your mind at the time. So tell us some of your success habits that you developed while you were in dental school and even before dental school and since dental school, but let's start with dental school. What did you do to really keep persevering during the time when it was really hard? You wanted to be with your family. You had to be at not only at school, but then studying constantly. And I watched you study and I was always in admiration as I watched you come home, spend time with the family as we visited. And then you have to go in, shut yourself off from the world and do your studying. But you you found a way to, to balance it, so to speak. I, I don't really like the word balance. So the wedding anniversary to your sweetheart is tomorrow. Yes. To my sweetheart, your daughter. Yeah. We've been married 16 years. And part of the buildup to this anniversary, I've been writing her love letters every day. That is so I don't awesome. Know if you've known that. And the more recent letters to her, journeyed like through the beginning of our marriage, like before you even met, early marriage, through school. And I'm getting to the point now where I'm writing about graduating dental school. And so my mind's been a lot on that period of time. And the thing that got me through up to that point was the fact that I viewed everything as a checkbox or that my happiness was dependent upon reaching the next milestone. But I realized today that that's not serving me now and kind of stopped serving me once I graduated through dental school. But dental school was such a big dream of mine uh, to accomplish. Once me and Nicole made the decision that we were going to even move from Kingman up to Flagstaff to pursue the education required to go to dental school, mm-hmm. we were all in. And we've always played all in, Yeah. even when it was difficult, even when it was hard. But what kept me going was knowing what I was fighting for, what I was trying to get to. And the first year applying to dental schools, I didn't hear back from a single one in a positive way. They all rejected me. I was 22 schools. That was hard. It was very hard. I fell into a depression that it, it, it was God who pulled me out of it. I mean, there I was, 24, 25, two young kids living in a shoebox apartment in Flagstaff two-bedroom apartment. One of our kids slept with us in our bedroom because, you know, he was still a baby. And what the future I thought I was working towards started to just get black and dark. Like I'd worked so hard to become a good applicant to dental school. And I just continued to receive rejection after rejection after rejection. All 22 came. And I was just stared with like, what do I do next? I had family members telling me I should probably start thinking about a plan B and maybe what I thought I wanted to do wasn't going to work out. And once I pulled out of that depression, which was my connection with, with my, again, my father in heaven, mm-hmm. I turned to him in prayer and he comforted my heart. But once I got out of that depression, it was, I was going back and working for this thing again, which was the second year of applying to dental school. Mm-hmm. And so dental school itself was hard, but I had gone through such a deep, dark period of wanting to be there and trying to get there that 
when I was there, we were all in. Like we moved across country. We didn't know a single person when we got there. Our first semester, the financial aid center came back and said, oh, by the way, we're not going to be able to give you what you thought you were getting and budgeting. And again, I was faced with this. How am I going to afford food and rent for my family? But it was always just focused on the goal, the dream, the outcome I wanted. And so that helped get us through all these difficult times because we were always thinking, well, life will be a little bit better when we get into school and life will be a little bit better once we get out of school and I can have an income again. But I realized that served me at that, that time period, but it's not what serves me today. Uh, that has pivoted and that has changed really starting about two years ago. Mm-hmm. And I was investing in myself. Um, the success that I feel like the small success I've been able to obtain is the desire to go all in now on, in me and my skill sets and my mindset. So tell us first, what dental school did you go to? And then how long have you actually been a dentist now? So I went to Temple University in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the only school I got into actually on the second <laughs> round of interviews and applying. Funny story. Do you remember the $2 story? Yes. Tell us the story. So I previously interviewed in Florida at a school, new school, startup school called Lecom. And I was broke, poor college student. Didn't have hardly any money to my name. Actually, my bank account was negative. Not my bank account, but my income statements, my P&Ls, like all that was just negative. My net worth, that's the word I'm looking net for. Worth, my net yeah. worth was definitely negative back then. And so I was on this interview and I came across a toll bridge that required cash. And I was like, I don't have cash because I really don't have cash. Uh, <laughs> do you take a credit card? Because that's what I was living my life on was credit. So the answer was no. Fast forward to my next interview. I was like, I should probably bring some cash with me in case I come across a situation like that again. So I had $2 in my pocket. Well, I'm interviewing at Temple. And at the, towards the end of the day, I was in the like administrative person's office trying to like smooth them, trying to like leave a good mark. So that way when my (laughs) application came through their desk, they would accept me. So I was in there talking to them and another um, interviewee walked in and said, Hey, how do I, how should I get back to my place? I'm staying. I took a cab this morning and they took like all my cash, like whatever the the bill was, took all the money he had. And so Brian told him, you know, just hop on the subways, straight shot to the place you're staying. And the guy's like, well, how much is it? The guy's like, $2. He's like, oh, man, I don't like have any cash. And Brian kind of looked down and was like, well, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to help you. And I was like, oh, wait, I got, I got like $2. So I pull out my wallet, $2 cash, exact amount he needed, exact amount I was carrying, and gave it to him. Didn't think anything of it, right? I wasn't doing that to smooth at that point. But afterwards, Brian was like, dude, that's kind of a big deal for you to be willing to do that. I'm like, it's $2. That's not a whole lot, yeah. uh, but it stuck out to him. Now, after living in Philadelphia for four years, I understand that that was a big gesture. <laughs> uh, <laughs> people of Philly themselves are just a different breed. A lot of people in the surrounding areas where we ended up living were very kind and nice, but that neighborhood the temple was rough, very yes. rough. And so that stuck out in his mind and he made sure the committee knew about it and Honestly, I think that's the reason why I got into dental school. Uh, right place, right time. Yeah. And the right person. So I graduated six years ago. I bought into um, a franchise type model, which is very unique to dentistry. Uh, there's really no true franchise model in dentistry. There's big corporations that own a lot of offices and you're only an employee to that corporation. They don't let any ownership in. So I joined an office down here. It was a proven business model. Um, I knew I was going to have success from the beginning. I didn't have to spend four or five years building out my own practice and struggling, trying to make payroll, trying to make rent. I knew from day one I'd, I'd be successful. Mm-hmm. So there's pros and there's cons to it. The one big like, con to it is that we don't have a lot of high-end dentistry. We do bread and butter dentistry, which is fillings, crowns, root canals, mm-hmm. pulling teeth, and dentures. And down here in New Mexico, there's a lot of dentures and a lot of teeth to be pulled. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have to see a lot more people in order to make a good amount of money. That was the model. And I knew that was what I was buying into. And is what served me up until about a year ago where I made a different decision that I wanted to change the style of dentistry that I was doing. Mm-hmm. And which required, again, to go back and invest in myself and go from a place that was very comfortable financial comfort, work schedule comfort, 
time spent golfing, doing all the fun things I liked, comfort yeah. to a grind that we've been kind of, it's, you know, into this last year. Mm-hmm. You know, what I love about that is, first of all, go back to the $2 story for a minute. I remember you telling me that story and you were in the right place at the right time. Obviously you were worthy of being put into dental school. It's just that he was so impressed with you, but you did that from your heart. Yeah. That's what I loved about that story. You did it from your heart. You, you know, $2 isn't a lot, but it's all you had right at the time. True. And so it's a big deal. It's a big deal. And I know Heavenly Father had a lot to do with that. He intervened there and gave Brian the feeling that he should make sure that the committee knew about that. And then the other thing that I'm really intrigued by and I have been really impressed by is you have always had a growth mindset, always. Since the day I met you, I I was impressed with your growth mindset. And even when things were really hard during dental school, no matter what was happening, you've always had the ability to see beyond it. And I mean, not in every moment, because we all have hard times, right? We have struggles and stuff, but you've had that growth mindset. And I remember while you were in college and while you were in dental school, you had signs up everywhere. Everywhere I looked in the house, there were signs that you were going to get through dental school, that you could do it. Little sticky notes A lot of them was from E.T., hip-hop preacher yeah thomas um i was yes. really big into him at the time and i'd listen to his speeches his i think he was doing a tgi m thank god it's monday yes yeah and so it just got a lot of uh, uh words of encouragement from him mm-hmm. but i would say that habit came from just my dad is who, who i attribute that to i think there's a lot of innate skills or mindsets that were just we come to earth with mm-hmm. <laughs> definitely the environment of being around my dad, who was an entrepreneur at heart, uh, growth minded, big visionary guy, big goals, achieved a lot. He was big into like vision boards. He didn't really make them a whole lot, but he had a couple uh-huh. through uh, growing up that I remember uh, one with like a certain car and like a certain house behind it. And like, I think that might have like a jet maybe, Yeah. but we bought a house when I was in high school that the house looked just like that. Isn't that amazing and how he, that works? He made a point to kind of point that out to me that like there was some some way he didn't really explain it or have the words or the science, but a way to kind of create the, the future possibility that you want. Mm-hmm. And so that stuck with me, maybe a little bit innate of who I am, but that was just always kind of a part of working towards goals was that type of motivation. Yeah. I really like that. And that's gotten to you where you are now, which is very successful. You have a successful dentist practice, you have a successful marriage, and you are a great father. That's a big deal to me because she's my daughter and they're my grandchildren. I want to ask you if you could go back and tell yourself something different, like if you could go back and and do something different, like you could go back and say, I'm going to do this differently while you were in dental school, what would it be? Well, it, it wouldn't be anything that would further my career or maybe even who I am personally. Again, going through these love letters, I've spent a lot of time reflecting and looking back and having conversations with, with Nicole. For me, the one thing I would go back would be spending more time with her. Mm-hmm. Uh, what got sacrificed along the way was my wife. I put in the hours at school. I studied my brains out. Dental school is difficult because we do all the sciences, medicine and medical students are, are learning. Then there's a piece in the afternoon where we have to go and actually practice being a dentist with our hands. We have to learn the materials. Uh-huh. We have to set denture teeth, which take forever. So that would all happen in a day. And then I'd come home and want to be super dad. So I'd take over with the kids and I would spend time with them, bathing them, singing them songs, putting them to bed. And I might have a small check-in with Nicole, but then it was back to studying until 10, 12 o'clock again. Mm-hmm. And so if I could go back, it would be paying more t- attention to her. Yeah. But, you know, we do what we do. We do the best we can with what we know at the time, right? There's no way you're going to achieve much in your life without sacrificing something. That's right. And if I could go back, I wouldn't sacrifice my time with her and her need for a partner. But there's, there's something that's going to be sacrificed along the way. You're yeah. not going to achieve something great and your big goals without some type of sacrifice in somewhere in your life. Yes. Some you can actively choose. Like my time, I spend most Friday nights, you know, 
studying when I was a student. Mm -hmm. And then now I spend most of my Friday nights working. Working. I work Friday nights or now it's working on marketing and sales copy. I'm doing that on Friday nights now. Now Mm -hmm. day night though is on Saturday. That's a must. That's a Saturday night thing. Yep. And what I've loved about what you guys are doing is that it's a priority. No matter what you have your date night and it's a priority to you. And that's important. That's an important thing Uh, because without that, you don't really have a life right? It's just work and that's it. And that's not enough. Yeah. I've always been someone who has learned more by observing others and seeing what has worked for them or what hasn't worked for them. Mm -hmm. And so when people tell me that, you know, you can have all the success and the time put into building, you know, your business and working with clients and your employees, but at the end, if you're lonely because your wife left you or your husband left you or your kids don't want anything to do with you, and what was it all worth? You know, it's, we tell ourselves we do these things in business and traveling and, you know, selling because we're doing it for our families. But then at the end of the day, how much time are we really giving to our family? Yeah. Yeah. And I remember back when you were in dental school, Nicole didn't work. She stayed home with the boys, which was a blessing in so many ways. Was she lonely sometimes? Of course she must've been because she was hundreds of miles away from home, right? From her fam, from us, from her family. And we visited, you know, our goal was to get there every couple of months, every three months we were there for sure. Or you guys were visiting us, but the fact that you stuck to that commitment and went into debt for it to make sure that she didn't have to work during that time. That was a a dream come true for me because when I was young and raising kids, I, I held a lot of guilt. I had a lot of guilt Back then, I wasn't in the mortgage business then. I'm talking about when I worked a full-time job when I had to work from eight to five before I got in the mortgage business when my two young, my two older kids were younger. And I drilled it into their heads. When you get married, make sure that you get to stay home. Or to my son, I said, make sure your wife gets to stay home when the kids are little. Because for me, I felt very guilty not being there. Now, my husband was a teacher, so he was there a lot, but it wasn't mom. And I felt guilty back then. It all worked out. And I ended up getting into the mortgage business and it, and it all worked out. But there was a piece there that I missed out on as a mother. And I'm grateful that you made it a priority for your wife to make sure she was home with the kids. And uh, that was a big deal to me. And it's a big deal to a lot of people. It's a commitment that you made that you've always stuck to. Funny as you're talking, I'm thinking back. Even girls I dated in high school, which seems kind of weird, I would ask them what they saw their future as like being a mother looked like. Mm-hmm. And even like girls I dated in high school, I was talking about how I wanted uh, my wife to be at home with the children when they were you know, young, mm-hmm. that I didn't want them to be raised by daycare or someone else that mattered. And going back to the first question about like success it really comes down to just knowing what you want and being really clear about that. Yes. And that's difficult. That's, that's hard. You know, you say, I want freedom. Well, what does freedom look like for you? Like, yes, specifically, what does freedom look like? What does freedom in your body and your health look like? What is freedom with your connection with, with God? Mm-hmm. What does it look like with your, your wife, your partner, with your children? And what does that look like in business? It's not just a dollar amount. I want to make X amount of dollars next year, but I want to make it doing what and how often and like really getting clear. And that's difficult to do. But one thing was always clear for me was having my wife be at home with our kids. And I just, it happened. Yeah. I'm so grateful. It happened because you had a commitment to make it happen. And she had a commitment to make it happen. Now that you've been a dentist for a while and you have been successful in dentistry, you've, you've had your ups and downs. You went through COVID, right? when dentistry was almost, well, it was shut down. Tell us about that situation. So COVID did goof things up. I mean, here in New Mexico, we had a governor who made most services and people non-essential. And luckily dentistry was considered essential, but we were only limited to treating pain and infection for a couple of months while we were shut down. Um, That was a really big transition time for me and my partners in our practice. You guys know dealing with employees who really aren't committed or really shouldn't be there. It's hard to let those type of employees go because you're afraid if you're going to be able to replace them, it's going to affect your income and revenue and all these stories we tell ourselves. COVID was a cleansing moment for my practice Mm. because we had gotten shut down and we had to learn to adapt and adjust our overhead and where we were spending money. 
we also came out of that with a clear path as a partnership. I have two other partners that we weren't going to tolerate certain things from employees. And even if that meant we have to cut the production and how often we're able to work because we don't have those dental assistants uh-huh. or front staff members, if it affected our take-home income, our commitment to that was stronger than putting up with employees that just didn't fit and that were like toxic to the work environment. And so, yeah, it was tough through COVID. We slowed down quite a bit. There was a lot of federal help that came through eventually mm-hmm. and a lot of credits and, and things like that. But it was a cleansing moment for our, our practice. We walked out of that much stronger. And sometimes we get tested on that resolve. You know, we have an employee yes. who's just like not getting it. We've we've put in the training. We've put in the like encouragement or course corrections. It's just not happening. Mm-hmm. Even if we really like the person, it's still not a good fit. And sometimes we're still challenged on, eh, maybe we'll just tolerate this a little bit longer. But we go back to those days of COVID where we're like, Mm-mm, we're not doing this anymore. Yeah. And once you learn that lesson and you get it, it's much easier to stay resolved to it. It's tempting sometimes yeah. when you need the help. Oh, yeah. It's tempting. But, you know, in the mortgage business, and you've been around the mortgage business a lot of years, but in the mortgage business, it's the same way. That's what we're all about is training teams and making sure that they have the right fit. Number one, it has to be the right fit. The, the right mental fit, you know, the person that's going to have the same views that you do, the same way of treating clients, all of that has to fit. But sometimes those people are not the best fit in their in their knowledge. And so they have to be trained, right? Training people is really, really important. That's That's what we're all about. That's what this podcast is about, is about training staff. And so tell us a little bit more about how you trained or did you hire untrained and try to train them? Or did you hire a trainer or how did that work in your practice? So dentistry is really weird. And it's probably similar to most offices who don't invest in any type of coaching or training. You hire someone and the person who's leaving or who has done the job the longest is the person who kind of like explains the ropes to Mm -hmm. those people. And that's how we operated for a very long time was the new hire was trained by somebody who was in that position or exiting that position. And they got them up to speed sort of, Uh and then just like took over. And as business owners, we were terrible at following through. We were terrible at making sure they were adequately trained. We put in the the right pieces by having someone there teach them, but we just, we were too busy about thinking about dentistry and all the other chaos of owning a business. What really changed for us is when we brought in an office manager and she was tasked with, with training. We'd spend time creating specifics of what we wanted this job to look like. Mm-hmm. And we have checklists they have to check off every day, uh, showing the completion of certain tasks. And we had to get really crystal clear on what those check marks meant. It meant that you did X, Y, and Z, not just X or maybe Y, yes. but the whole job was completed before you got to check it. And it, it came down to a level of certainty within ourselves. If I'm not certain that I've trained that person adequately and they're not doing a good job, a lot of times as business owners, we just don't say anything about it because inside of us, we know we haven't done what we're supposed to do uh-huh. or we're not doing what we know we are supposed to be doing. So we just let things slide. We let things, we tolerate things. Yes. And so there ne- needed to be a leveling up of our commitment to training, holding them to expectations, correcting them when it made sense or when mm-hmm. they needed it. And if they weren't getting it, then we took further action, sometimes terminating them. Right. But that can't happen if you're not confident in yourself that they've received the training to do the job. Yes. And the follow-up to do the job. That if there's any doubt in your mind, then you just won't say anything. Mm -hmm. You'll just kind of like let it go. You'll get frustrated. You'll get mad. You'll take that home and your wife's like, whoa, what's going on? Well, so-and-so at the office is doing this and I just don't get it. Why aren't they doing it? Well, do they have the right tools? And are you confident that they do? Because then you're confident you know, exiting them from your business if needed. Yes. And in the mortgage business, we're known for throwing people in and then just letting them sink or swim and then feeling guilty because we didn't really give them everything they should. So then we hold on to them because we don't want them to go because we didn't give them what they should have and we feel guilty about it. So no, it's better to just have them trained. So your office manager is the one on your team that does that. Yeah. She's responsible for all that now. That's great. And I love that you have checklists because- That is what we're all about as well. In any business, there needs to be a checklist and being very clear. Like you said, is it X, Y, and Z, or is it just X or are they just doing Z? No, they have to do the whole thing and check it off. 
an airline pilot, every time they get behind the, the wheel, so to speak, of the plane, they have to go through the checklist. Have you ever been on a plane and like in the front of the plane and you can hear the, the pilot and he's going through everything and you hear, pull up, pull up, pull up. And it's like, oh my gosh, if you're scared to fly, that's not something you want to hear. Thank goodness you're not off the ground yet when you hear that. But he's just going through the checklist or she is just going through the checklist, right? And that's what a checklist is for. And a pilot, no matter how many hours they have flown, no matter how many thousands and thousands of miles they have flown, they still have to go through the checklist every single time. And we have a thing in our company called sweat the same way every time. We do it the same way every time with a checklist. And that's that's how they learn. That's how they get proficient. And the thing is that they're going to get busy. Your, your staff, when they're mm-hmm. working in your office, they get yeah. distracted. The phone rings, someone asks them a question. And if they don't have a checklist of training, they're not going to get it all, right? Yeah, things get missed. <laughs> yes. When things get missed over a period of time that affects income, affects revenue. Yeah. And then also office culture as well, because things are getting slipped or, you know, things are slipping through the cracks, things are getting missed. And then, well, so-and-so is, doesn't really do her job. So I'm not going to do my job as well. They, they didn't even notice the fact that she hasn't done X, Y, and Z. Why mm-hmm. am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? So, yeah. Uh, that's a big in- improvement in our office as well was office culture. Yeah. Bringing in someone who was kind of looking over all that. So one of the things in the mortgage business with loan officers is they invest in themselves. They invest in coaching. They invest in training. They invest in their business and in themselves. They read good books. They go to events in the Freedom Club and our coaching group. We have people that show up three times a year and we have a big mastermind together. And um, you and I talk about it a lot. You know, we we talk about business a lot because we have that in common. And I have been impressed at the way that you've invested in yourself, especially in the last year. You found a group that you're tight with. Can you tell us just a little bit about why you invested in yourself and the sacrifice and how it's been worth it? So... I'm a cheap ass usually <laughs> up until recently. I just didn't like spending money on myself or on different things, you know, spending money on the family, certain trips didn't make sense to me until I had a mindset shift around investing, investing in my relationship with my wife. When we go on a vacation, it's, it's top notch. I'm not scrimping. I'm not looking at the best holiday in prices. Yeah. Uh, Cause what does that tell my wife about the time I want to spend with her? I'm more worried about, getting a great price on the room versus the actual nice experience at a five-star resort mm-hmm. or investing in myself. It was a mentor that opened up my mind to that a couple of years ago where I actually paid a coach for the first time. It was, awesome. it was a phone call once a week. I was trying to improve my patient communication chair side, helping them see how, what they needed, whether that was, you know, a crown, cosmetic, able to chew, whatever it was that they were struggling with to help them see that it was worth investing in themselves. Mm-hmm. So I started investing myself in a coach. It was $500 a call, really pricey. I would record some conversations that I was having. He would review them and we'd talk about it for an hour. And so that was like the start of investing in myself. Mm-hmm. Um, alongside with that, I came across a program that was really geared towards men and helping us get past our emotional blocks. Uh-huh. But it wasn't packaged like, oh, self-help. It was like warrior and you're like, you're a king and just like, ah, type in your <laughs> face that resonated with me and, and a lot of men. Uh-huh. And so I got involved in that group and I was thinking about this. It was three years ago this weekend. I got like a Black Friday offer for a dollar. I remember that. I didn't realize it was three years ago. Yeah, it was three wow. years ago on Black Friday. And that was the original offer. I was like, ah, I can afford a dollar, even uh-huh. though I'm, I'm cheap and don't want to invest in myself because, you know, the stories I was telling myself, but I did it. It was a dollar. And I went, started the program, didn't finish it, but I was starting. I was noticing things. I was like, oh, that makes sense. Well, maybe that's why I feel this way. Just kind of started working on myself uh-huh. from this dollar investment. And then the next value add or value ladder showed up and it was like $2,000. And I did that. And it was $3,000. And then I did that. I got to a place where I became more comfortable investing in myself, but I was doing it because I've seen the results in my life. Yes. Anytime I had a purchase that was investing in myself that made me uncomfortable, I'd go back to my wife and I'd say, babe, like, have you noticed any difference in how I'm showing up as a husband, as a, as a father, 
Like, are we seeing results from these investments? Mm -hmm. And every time she would come back and give me examples or we would talk about it, I was realizing that investing myself was improving myself a lot. Yes. Not just in business, but just how I think and operate with anybody around me. Mm -hmm. So then the next opportunity came with this particular group of men. And this one, like made me pucker a little bit. It was a massive investment. It was a lot of money. It was a hundred thousand dollars for coaching. And I was like, this is crazy. Uh, but there was something inside of me that knew if I continued on this path that I was on, I would continue to see results. Mm-hmm. And so again, I kind of like pre-framed my wife, did what I usually do. I said, babe, like when you get a minute, will you just jot down some things you've noticed over this last year that are positive? And like, are we seeing any growth there? And she shot it back to me and it was, it was a list of some things. And I was like, cool. Well, there's an opportunity to, to invest a hundred thousand and uh, really expand my business skills this year. And I was kind of doubtful and wishy-washy and she was like, yeah, that makes sense. Let's do it. And I'm like, wow, wow. Okay, let's do it. And so I had an opportunity to run with a group of men this year, just focused mostly on business, but mm-hmm. we don't just focus on business. We, we focus on like our body and our health, our family relationships, our connection with God, because all those things relate to our power and certainty and how we show up in business. Yes. Because again, we say we do all these things in business for our family, but if we're not investing back into our family, and we're not building the man, then we're how much can we show up in business itself? Yeah. And so seeing the results, having my, my wife, who wasn't just telling me the things I wanted to hear, but she was genuine in her response that results were following and, and happening. Mm-hmm. I continued this path to where I am now. I'm like, there's just no way I wouldn't invest in myself. Yeah. There's, I wouldn't pay to be in a room with other like-minded individuals who are working towards a, a similar goal in their own life. Mm-hmm. Because those conversations I have with these men and, and this group, I can't really have those conversations outside with, with other individuals. It's just, it's different. It, yes. They're not, they're not growth minded. They're more worried about the football score and some team that they have no connection with other than they went to that college. Uh-huh. They're more, they have the stats of their fantasy football memorized, but they're forgetting their kid's birthday and like what their wife really likes and her favorite yeah. restaurant. Like, it's just different. Like it's, it's not that I don't want to have those conversations. It's just, if you're not investing in yourself, which puts you in rooms with people who are like-minded and driven and going in the direction you want to go. Absolutely. Then then you're just going to stay where you're at. Yes. Or you might not always get to where you want to be, but the place you do get to is just going to take a lot longer doing it by yourself. Yeah. And that was another issue I had with myself was I thought I could, I had thought I had it all figured out or I can do it all by myself. Mm-hmm. And I realized being part of a group experience where we held our each other accountable Cause we can go to all these like cool masterminds and these cool events that like pump you up and you're like, rah, rah, rah. I'm going to do the X, Y, and Z this upcoming year. I'm going to like crush it in business. And then like reality hits Monday, your, yeah. your best assistant or your loan officer quits and you're like, crap, now I got to go handle that. Yes. And you forget the hype and the rah, rah, rawness from whatever event you went to. Yeah. You got to be part of some type of coaching or some type of way of holding yourself accountable to the things you commit to. Like my coach doesn't necessarily tell me what to do. He asked me what I'm going to do. And then he asked me about that. Mm -hmm. He helps me be accountable to the things that I know I'm supposed to be doing. Yes. Cause he knows business, but he doesn't know necessarily dentistry. He doesn't know how to place an implant or how to create a flap and expose someone's bone and all that stuff that I spent time learning, Mm -hmm. but he's able to help me see in business and he's able to like, hold me accountable. And that's really where investing in myself has, has played big dividends. Yeah. So it's a big deal. And investing in your team, that's another thing is just investing in your office, your team, your partnerships, all of that. It's important because you could have gone without an office manager and you could have just tried to train them on the fly. Right. But you, you had to invest in it. Yeah, what's funny is we make a lot of money or we try to make a lot of money to try and give that money to someone else, like in a 401k or in some type of investment opportunity that we ourselves don't understand. We're willing to give that money to someone else to make us passive or residual income. Mm -hmm. But we don't use that money to invest back into our people. Yes. To invest back into ourselves. And a mindset that I was exposed to a couple of years ago that I 
strongly believe in is that I'm my number one asset. That's Investing true. in me is going to have the best return on investment possible. Yes. The 100000 I put into being part of this program this year has like 5X already. Oh, yeah. My own income. Had I taken that same 100000 and bought crypto or 100000 and bought, you know, a stock, uh, you know, put it in the s and or something. <laughs> all that just took a dump. But investing in myself and investing in my teams and in people to help manage like my office manager, that's where I've been able to see the most growth. Yes. Yep. So invest there first. Yeah. You know, invest when, in yourself. Yeah. And even if you don't believe that at the beginning, you have to go on faith, don't you? Because when oh, you yeah. first did it, you had to have faith that it would work. Anything new, a new concept, a new idea, a new mindset will be tested and will require faith to get there. Yes. Because if you don't have the faith and you haven't done the thing you think you're supposed to do, so you can't see if there's any results from it. But when mm-hmm. you do take that leap of faith and you do execute on it, then you can look at the results. Now, did that work? Yeah, it paid off. Absolutely. Let's do more of that. Yeah. And it starts with what we say to ourselves. It starts with the the things, the dialogues that are going on in our mind, inside of our head that we're thinking about that are programmed in there. And are we saying the right things? And if we're not, then we just have to change those things. So like, what's one thing that you've changed in what you say to yourself compared to what you said as a young man, unmarried young man, or newly married young man? I don't know if I have like a specific mantra. I have played with different affirmations through the years. Mm-hmm. I would write out affirmations and I would read them every day. Uh-huh. But along this topic of mindset and stories, that's something I've really been diving into the last three years. There's a process I, I go through most mornings that brings up a topic, whether that's with myself, with a staff member, with my wife, with my kids, that is something I don't like. I'm struggling with a thought or a mindset that I have. Mm-hmm. And through that process, I'm able to like unload my emotions around it, the non-emotional facts behind it, what I want that person to experience, what I want myself to, you know, ultimately to experience. And then I write a new story or a new mindset or a new thing like of that. thinking about that. So I don't necessarily have like, you know, I'm a great dentist every day, <laughs> but I do go through that process every day in different aspects of my life just taking time to recognize the stories or the mindset that I have around something, Mm -hmm. seeing if it's serving me and then coming out on the other side with, with a new story, a new mindset, a new way of thinking about that problem or that situation, because it does really come down to how you, what you think. It does. And a lot of us, we just think negative all the time. It's just natural. It seems like. And so if you think the world's against you, it probably is. Mm -hmm. And if you think the world is working for your favor, then it probably is. Yes. Because our thoughts create our emotions. What we think about makes us feel a certain way. And Mm -hmm. our emotions are going to create our actions. What we feel is going to make us act a certain way. And then our actions are going to create our results. So whatever we do is going to bring us a result, good or bad, right? Hopefully good, but it's going to bring a result. So that's how I look at it. Thoughts create emotions, emotions create actions and actions create results. And that's why it's so important that what we put into our minds or what we allow to be there, whether it comes and we have to work on a different thought coming in, but we have to be so intentional about it because because of the way that our thoughts create our emotions, our emotions create our actions and our actions create our results. So if we're very intentional about what we're allowing ourselves to think, then it's going to make a big difference in our lives, a huge difference. So in closing, what is something that you'd like to share with us that you feel is helping you as a business owner and as a family man? Like just one little thing that you do. You've shared a lot of things, but like one closing thought of something that you feel has really helped you, a new habit you've had. So I'm a man. I'm a typical man. Typical dude who <laughs> at some point in our childhood, we were told to not feel. Now, it wasn't necessarily a parent saying feelings aren't important, but we were told to like be quiet, to man up, to like stop crying, men don't cry, like all this crap. Yes. We were told. And so for a long time, I was just numb. Someone who doesn't feel is really just numb. Mm-hmm. And so one thing that's really helped me over the last several years and the growth that I've seen in my marriage and my, with my boys, with my team is just expressing what I'm thinking and how I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. It's the wildest thing. 
like the thing I'm struggling with that has all this self-doubt and this bad self-talk, once I process it and then vocalize it, positive things come from it. It's amazing. It's amazing. And as someone who's always been like emotionally numb or stunted, uh, cause I was a typical guy who just didn't share emotions and we had to have a strong face the whole time and just man up mm-hmm. going from that and sharing my thoughts and my feelings and how certain things affect me has flourished my relationships with my wife, with my boys, with my team members and my partners. Like it's paid huge dividends of just being okay with how I'm feeling and finding the courage to share it. Cause yeah. we think of lying as a, you know, like actively lying. I'm, I'm telling you a lie. I'm not being truthful in the words I'm saying or my actions. Mm-hmm. But if I have a thought that I'm keeping in here, that's relevant to the conversation we're having. And I don't share that I'm lying to myself. Mm-hmm. And so that's one habit I've really been working on over the last couple of years is just stop lying. Yes. Stop lying to myself. If I'm not, expressing my my feelings and emotion that's constructive with mm-hmm. with my wife then i'm not i'm not being all of me with her mm-hmm. and how can she love me in full if she doesn't even know who i fully am yes and that's tough because then we have like dark stuff in our past and our minds that we don't want anybody to know mm-hmm. but as we share and as we connect that way things get so much better so much better and connecting that way with your family and with your team it's important to, to have those kinds of conversations and just sharing, like you said, just being real. I I love that. And I've loved watching your growth. I have been able to connect with you on the business level. You you've even attended an event of ours in the freedom club many, many, many years ago before you were even in dental school, wasn't it? No, it was during dental school. That's right. You flew to Florida and we got with Carl and we were in our little, um, you know, in our little room there, our war room, and and you got to see something different than what you had been exposed to before, right? With a group of people that were all in, that were paying for coaching. And it wasn't in the business you were in, but how did that affect you? Like, did you think about that at all? Did you watch us as we were whiteboarding and, and things like that? What did you think? It really stuck out in my mind because at that point I had been a student for, I think, six straight years. And I knew the outcome after all this was to be in ownership and have my own business and make money. But my mind was just kind of stuck on learning anatomy and learning the tooth and how to cut a tooth and the shape it was supposed to be. So that way your feeling didn't fall out. Like all this stuff that I was consuming in school, I'd kind of forgot about the entrepreneurial part, the marketing part, the sales part, like the process part of what I wanted to be doing. And so that was that exposure, like, couple of comments that were made that that trip mm-hmm. stay with me just it, it opens your eyes because the end of the day business principles are universal they are like they're universal in your relationships they're, they're universal yep. in any industry you're really in now there's some niching down maybe that could happen but like i think one of the scripts that you use is one of the dentist ones where, hey, Dr. So-and-so just wanted me to reach out to you. Yes. That can be used anywhere and you guys do use it, but that started, you know, the exa- that example was in dentistry. Mm-hmm. Business principles, growth mindset, the desire to like improve is a universal feeling and experience. And so you just got to get yourself in different environments Yeah, to see the different angles that you could incorporate in your own business. Yeah. So I'm grateful to have this conversation with you today. I'm grateful for all that you do as a dentist, as a businessman, as a husband, as a son-in-law, as a father. I'm just really grateful for you. I'm grateful for who you are and how you show up in our family and how you show up in your business and especially with your own family. And I just wanted other people to be exposed to you to know that this isn't just about mortgages. This, this podcast is not just about mortgages. It's about business and life and growth and having a growth mindset. And I think uh, you've really shared with us some really good things today. So I'm really grateful that you were here today. So thanks for being here with us. You're welcome. And if you guys enjoyed this podcast, can you do me a favor and review us, give us a five-star review if you thought it was worth it so people can see us out there. And for those of you in the mortgage business, we do have a website where you can go and find out the training that we do. And it's loanteamtraining.com. 
And so we're so glad you were here with us today. We really appreciate you. And uh, tune in next week for some more of Loan Officer Team Training. See you guys later. partner who does the loan consultations, structures the loan and converts the buyer to work with you? Or maybe you have a loan partner or a team member that you would like to move into that position so that you can be freed up to go get even more loans. How about a newer loan officer who could benefit from some training in how to convert buyers to work with them? Our client conversion training is very specific to this role. It will help them convert even more clients to work with you and your team. We help you to be seen as a trusted advisor. We cover every aspect of converting clients to work with you. They're going to learn emotional intelligence, what it is and how to utilize it. They'll discover the key to a success mindset. Yep, we go deep on this one. How to build rapport right from the first conversation. How to ask the right questions. How to answer objections. Specific dialogues and strategies to overcome rate shoppers. They're going to practice live with other class members. And they're going to also learn how to ask for and receive referrals. How to master the loan consultation with loan strategies that help the buyer make great decisions for their future. Client conversion training will set your team apart when they implement the training that they're going to receive in our class. It's a virtual interactive class on Zoom with live trainers and your team members can attend from wherever they are as long as they have audio and video. Everyone participates. It's a 10 hour live class divided into two and a half hour sessions from nine to 11.30 on Thursday and Friday for two weeks in a row. Sign up your loan partner today at loanteamtraining.com. You'll find the class on the client conversion training tab. 